0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. I'm Dean. I'll be your conversational tour guide this evening. We're here with a very special gentleman, a, a a guy who gave me one of my first chances to be on a podcast. This is Officer Dale Peters, and he has a podcast called Black in Blue. And we're, that's going to be actually going to be what we're talking about tonight about some of the challenges that face us as uh, as black men in uh that that happened to be police officers dale how you doing brother i'm good i'm good how you doing fam uh man i'm I'm just excited to be able to reciprocate and and pay it back to you the way you uh you gave me that opportunity way back when
1: uh it's, it's all good brother it's
0: all good as we're here to support each other
1: absolutely
0: so tell us a little bit about black and blue tell us a little bit about where you police and and what that's like out that way
1: absolutely man so my name is dale like uh dean said i am a police officer out in southern california i've been out here policing for like over 20 years now and uh what what got me involved in law enforcement to begin with you know right after right after high school i'm I'm gonna show my age here was (laughs) was the rodney king incident and and everything that happened around that we had uh uh you know the i'm sure you guys all heard the story of the uh young lady that was in the uh, liquor store and then she got shot uh for just stealing you know shoplifting a, a, a jar of juice So all that happened around the same time and that's when the riots popped off. And then after that, the officers, uh, got no conviction for that. And then I just remember, uh, I wasn't in law enforcement at the time. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is crazy. We, we need some more faces like us up in this profession. So then that's when I started my journey. I went to college first. And then after college, you know, I got into the profession. So, um, fast forward years later back in 2020 2019 2020 um that's when a lot more stuff like George Floyd and all that started popping off and i decided you know really i wanted to get the 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 faces of us out there you know just to let people know that hey we got some skin in this game we we got some uh we we want we want what's going on out there to to be stopped and ceased just like everybody else uh you know we want equality in the policing You know, we want uh, transparency. We want all that, too. But we also have to take stake in that as well. So uh, I wanted to show people, hey, first of all, we're human, right? We like the same things that you do. You know, I like rap music. You and I were talking about uh, uh, some music that you were playing off air there. You know, we like that stuff. We like we like movies. Some of us you know, we're, we're all different. So, and mostly what you see when you think of police is what you think, of, you know, you know, male whites, but we're, we're not a monolith. You know, we're male blacks, we're, we're male Asians, we're, uh, we're gay, we're lesbian, we're trans, we're middle Eastern. So I, I just wanted to show all that. So that's really the focus of black and blue is to show, uh, minorities in law enforcement, but you know, I, I've got Caucasians that come on the show as well. Those that, um, that exemplify and celebrate that diversity in, in U.S. law enforcement as well. So that's where I come from. That's where I'm at. And, you know, I help to keep uh, that going forward. So that's why I had you on the show once and, you know, other officers as well. And, and I'm happy to be on your show.
0: Uh, that's what's up. And it, just what's been said, let's not forget about our, our sisters out there, too, um, that are out there. You know, our, our, yes. our black our white sisters, our white sisters. Um, Like you said, our lesbian uh, sisters—you know, and all in between—that are out there also standing shoulder to shoulder with us, trying to do what is becoming an increasingly uh, more difficult job by the by the minute. It seems like it is today. Yeah. So let me so let me ask you, Dale. So you talked about you brought up Rodney King. Are you? Did you always want to be in this line of work, or is it something that just gets sparked in you when the Rodney King event happened? Where are you at with that?
1: Yeah, you know what? Like I said, uh, I wasn't necessarily. Thinking I wanted to be in law enforcement. I didn't have any animosity towards police officers back then, but I was really geared towards uh, journalism at the time. Like I said, right after I got out of high school, went into college uh, thinking I was going to study journalism. And then uh, something kind of sparked in me where I wanted to kind of take the role in the law enforcement. A couple of buddies of mine uh, started going in that route. So, you know, I would go on ride lawns with them I say, this is a pretty cool profession. But then, like I said, when Rodney King jumped off, that's when I really thought, you know, Hey, I need to be a part of this, uh, be a part of the solution, not just be a part of the problem. Um, so then that's when I really started going hard and to take, you know, li- taking a look at uh, a couple criminal justice classes that I could take in, in, in college getting some more knowledge under my belt before I actually took that dive into law enforcement. But uh, like I said, in the beginning and in high school and all that, you know, I wasn't really thinking of law enforcement today, but you know, roads take you different, different routes. And this is where I'm at today.
0: And I hear you on that, you know, a little bit about my journeys. Uh, Those of you that have followed Supply the Wife for for quite some time, you've heard this before. I'll say it again. I never wanted to be a cop. Never wanted to be a cop. I was the furthest thing from my mind when I was in high school, Rodney King. I'm not afraid I'll, I'll, divulge my age i was in high school when rodney king (laughs) happened yeah um it kind of blew my mind i had a healthy fear of police i grew up in an area where i was one of the few and i was just i was afraid of cops i was like how a lot of kids are today um that that was me and i thought that i was just it wasn't a matter of if rodney king was gonna happen it was a matter of when when's my turn gonna come right and i had that kind of a of a of a very very thick fear of police officers. Then fast forward into college, I had a few um, a few folks out here, both black and white, try to crimp me along, and say, "Hey, listen, you should consider a career in law enforcement. You're fair minded. You're this. You're that. You're in good shape. You could pass the, you could pass all the uh, all the physical stuff." This was again many years ago when I could do all that, <laughs> and I just uh, it just never appealed to me. I was kind of like, "Ah, eh, why would I want to join that? I don't want to be a part of people that do that." It wasn't until I became um I was late in my twenties when I got into law enforcement. And I got into it for all the wrong reasons. I needed steady pay and benefits, and I and and that's basically what I got into it for. But then yeah. once I got into it though, Dale, and I saw the people that, that were I was meeting and the people that really needed us, I my mindset turned into more of what you were talking about. Whereas people needed advocates. They need somebody who looks like them that they can talk to, somebody they can yeah. relate to, uh, and 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 I just got addicted and I stayed, but I definitely did not grow up wanting to be uh, in this line of work
1: yeah 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 I hear you you know because like I said you know I didn't really have any animosity towards police I knew there were some some a-hole officers out there that, that you know that, that that I came in contact with when I was in high school but on the other hand there were a couple good ones that I remember one and when I was in high school the school resource officer was a real good dude real good dude and everybody loved this guy and he, he was a white guy and uh, you know years later he kind of took me under his wing as well and I, I used him as references when I started applying for police departments as well so you know I saw both sides of that spectrum as well. So uh, I'm not going to say I got into this profession to be all altruistic and, you know, I wanted to help everybody. Like I said, I had a couple buddies get into the profession and I went on some ride laws and I thought, Hey, this is cool. You get to drive fast cars and, you know, drive cars fast and, you know, get out and run and chase people, you know, back when I used to do, <laughs> do that, well, do that as well, but you know, way back. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, when you're in your twenties, you know, that's, that's really what you're trying to trying to get into. Um, so, you know, I didn't really, I mean, we all needed a job, but I wasn't into it for the for the benefits and all that because y'all didn't have a family at the time. But uh, you know, like I said, as as I got into the profession and started seeing uh, from the inside what I could do as far as in the black community and black and brown community because I grew up around a lot of Latinos as well, uh, what we could do, what I could do to help that situation out uh, with their relationships with
0: law enforcement, I really I really gravitated towards that. So I moving on from that talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced when you were first coming on to what we're seeing now uh, i'm sure you can agree you know 20 plus years in the profession it's a completely different job nowadays wouldn't you agree
1: oh yeah i mean of course everything is different you know we got technology on the si- on a on our side or against us, or whichever way you want to look at that but uh you know things that uh we're, we're kind of accepted back when we, well you and I first came up, aren't accepted now. Um, how you could treat trainees for one for once is, is, uh, is <laughs> totally different today. And, uh, yeah, I guess you can call us old heads where, you know, when we say, Oh, well, back in our day, we could do this, that, and the other, but you know, it's not like that anymore. And one of those things is, how you talk to people when you're out there on the street mm. and yeah, so you, know, you, you can't talk to people like you used to back in the day because for one, everyone's got a cell phone, everyone's recording themselves. And for one, you sh- of course you should be respectful anyway. Right. So, but, uh, nowadays I would, at least in my experience, agencies take that to heart and they will let you know, Hey, you got to complain against you. You need to clean this up. Um, so it, things are just different from where they were back in back. in when I first started coming up, so um, you could say, is, is it for the better? I I would say so. But like I said, just even how we, how we uh, interact with one another on the job, I know we got the duty to intercede is, is a big topic now, which Um, is a good
0: one. It's a good, it's a good thing. Was a,
1: it's a good thing, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I tell people all the time, this is some duty to intercede isn't a big thing because it's something that we've always done. At least people that I've come in contact with. Um, it's just as simple as hey, brother. I got this. You know, if, if you see your partner going a little, a little bit heavy handed, you know, you can step in and, but that doesn't get reported by the media. Why? Because there's no story to report, you know, <laughs> what are you going to report? You know, officer stopped another officer from doing something. That's not going to get reported. So, um, you know, what gets reported is the, is the egregious, the egregious stuff that uh,
0: is sensationalized. So it is what it is. Well, Dale, let me ask you this. So Heidi has a question. Uh, And it's a very good question. How did your family react to your decision to get into law enforcement?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I'm an only child and was brought up by my mother. And uh, so my father wasn't in the picture. So, of course... Uh, of course, my mother, you know, being her only her only son, her only baby, she she wasn't too happy, not just because uh, because, you know, it's a black thing. And, you know, I'm going to go join the man, even though she did come up in the 60s and she was part of, you know, the the black power movement and all that. She was really, you know, afraid for her son. I will say that the the others in my family, we have healthy debates uh, about it when you know, we go to you know family reunions or you know uh thanksgiving dinners and things like that but uh nothing where people are like hey i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be your family anymore i'm not gonna be uh i'm not gonna speak to you anymore but like i said we have those healthy debates uh friends like i said i had buddies that that entered this profession and uh i'm pretty big on my social media so i've got a, a bunch of my 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 friends that, that look at that, my family that look at that. And, and, you know, I give them a different perspective where they can kind of look at it and say,
0: okay, this is where, where these guys are coming from. So I'm going to answer the same question. I can tell you right now, my parents weren't, weren't excited about it. You know, I, uh, I was fortunate enough. I had both my parents around. Um, so I was able to get perspective from my mother and my father and my father had some difficult, you know, much like you, my parents were, uh, Oh, my mother's watching. Let's just say that she, you know, she was she was living <laughs> a good clean, life in the sixties. was living a good life in the sixties. And my father was out there and and they weren't they weren't too they weren't too keen on the idea. You uh-huh. know, obviously there's the danger aspect. There is um I think maybe more so my father. There was a little bit of, of that whole aspect of being part of the machine that right. that's a lot of people had, you know, some things happened to my father that would that were definitely unjust. And I think that played a role in his view in me in me wanting to wanting to do this job. I I can also say to your point about the healthy debates. Probably one of the most regretful things that's happened in my adult life was uh, right around the time where the, when the uh, Ferguson incident happened. Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving, my father and I got into an argument on, at the Thanksgiving table over Ferguson, mm. and it was just where I was trying to tell him, like, listen, some time has passed. There was a big investigation, you know that 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 happened under the the President Obama's um, administration, and the Department of Justice really, you know, figured yeah. out that a lot of what was reported didn't really happen the way it was reported, and I think that it you know it kind of triggered something in my father where he wasn't even talking about Michael Brown anymore; he was talking about what had happened to him when he was younger, yeah. and that's kind of what the emotion of that. Um, kind of spurred a, 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 a really a really unfortunate um, argument between my father and I. Um, obviously, we since we we kissed and made up and everything, but it just shows the type of emotion that goes through uh, the black community and how they oh, yeah. view the police. So oh, I yeah, just figured, like a, figured I'd share that.
1: Yeah, man. Like I said, you know, my mom came up and uh, hey, Patricia, uh, thank you for uh, for joining us. Welcome as well. Uh, like I said, my mom came up in the '60s. Uh, during the black power movement, and she was heavy into that, heavy into that. And she had me at a young age, um, so she wasn't too keen on it. But like I said, it was mostly because, hey, I'm our only son, and, and this is
0: a dangerous profession, and yeah. uh, yeah. So, yeah, so with that said, Michael says, I attended some training last week and learned a new slogan, particularly related to minorities, called GEM, which is an acronym that stands for Good Enough mainstream minority have either of you felt like you were a gem during any point in your law enforcement careers? And if so, can you share your thoughts? So what do you think Dale, Dale, are you a gem? Are you just good enough mainstream minority or what?
1: Man, man, that's, 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 it's, I've never even heard that term before Gem, huh? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I think that, uh, you know, coming up along, along my years that maybe, maybe I was one of those, uh, one of those gyms that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too hood, too street. Cause you know, my mom didn't play that. And then, you know, but on the other hand, I'm that, I'm that one, I'm, I'm, I'm a minority. I'm black. Hey, he's got some college education. You know, I wouldn't say I was the token, but you know, I would say that, you know, Hey, he's, he's safe. He's safe, but you know. I put on that role until I got on the inside and then, Hey, maybe he's not so safe after all, but no, I wouldn't call myself a gym. i
0: never heard that term before. Yeah. Uh, so I'll answer the same question. I, I, I wouldn't call myself a gym, but I I think that some folks probably viewed me that way, you know, growing up, I, I, you know, I didn't get into much trouble Um, on the grand scheme of things. I did some stupid things like all kids do, but I wasn't yeah. a, a troublemaker per, per yeah. se. I was always fairly well-spoken, um, and I was really about sports, and that that kind of ruled my world. So maybe to some people, and I heard things when I was coming up because I grew up in a mostly white town, where uh, you know, like you know, hey, Dean's all right, or or he's really well spoken, that kind of all that, all those things that yeah, it might those not even words, right? But it might not even have been meant that way. But that's how some of these people viewed me. You know what I mean? So right. it's I don't think it was. I don't think in all cases it was intentional. I'm sure it was in some. But uh, yeah, I would I would say that gem thing. It's on point for for some folks that do this job, and and are able to maintain this job. The professional it takes to do this job, they might you might be seen as a gem. So that's yeah, a man, great, it's it's it's, it's a double
1: edged sword. It's a double edged sword being, and we're gonna talk about that as part of the topics on my show. Is being black and blue, right? It's being uh, you know black and we get all the all the things and all the struggles that come with that you know because when we take off this uniform and we rolling down the street you know uh people don't see don't know that we're officers is it, it you know an officer doesn't know that we're an officer so there's there's been those times when, when you get stopped and 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 you got to kind of let these people know hey i'm not the one to mess with right you know i'm talking about other officers and uh so you got that double-edged sword there that uh that that you got to deal with as being you know black and blue
0: well to that point let's talk about something that's not really talked about enough I think and that's how our own community views us as police officers. Yeah. What kind of reception do you get from the black community in in where you police? You
1: know what um it's pretty positive actually. Actually I would say that it's because you know I'm real I keep things 100. Um right now my assignment is is a school resource officer and I told you like one of those influence for me coming up was was a school resource officer so you know i get out there with the kids and 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 i let them know yeah i'm the same as you right so you know they're kind of at first, you know, as you would assume mm-hmm. you know, high schoolers are. I'm at a high school. And uh, but, you know, when I get down and, and talk their language, because, you know, if you see all the stuff back here, you know, you can see records and stuff like that. I'm I'm a DJ. So I know all the music that they, they know and I get mm-hmm. out there and I know all the TikToks and all that. So then we can kind of chop it up on their level and they see, hey, uh, I'm I'm one of them, too. I'm, I'm just like them. So, you know, the reception, even when I'm on, on patrol, I'm working investigations, whatever other assignment. It's, it's been positive because, you know, they see me as, as an ally, not as an occupying
0: force. Now, you're telling me it's always positive because I'm going to agree with well, you and I'm going to disagree with you.
1: Well, you know, you're always going to have that one. But I'm going to say, by and large, mm-hmm. it's been positive experience towards me. Now, you're always going to get the one is you know, that says that caused you to N word, cause you to sell out or whatever, you know, especially the ones that you arresting. Right. You know, but, you know, by and large, if I'm showing up at somebody's house, if I'm out there on the street, you know, um, you know, people, at least you know, give you a nod or whatever, you know, they, they don't want to. Come up and give me a hug or anything like that. But, you know, it's, it's not overwhelmingly negative is, is, is all I got to say. And, and that's in my experience. And, and, and a lot of that maybe is just how you come off. Right. If you come off in there thinking that, you know, you the man and and, you know, your stuff don't stink and all that, you know, if you're not humble about it, people see that. If you're not if you're not genuine people see that and, and then you know it's all about you know how they reciprocate to you if you p- treat people with respect you know I got people that have given people that I have arrested given me uh, commendations called up the PD and said hey officer Peters treated me with respect he's not like the other officers that that were out there that uh, you know after I got arrested they were yelling at me or, or taunting me or whatever so I've had that experience as well where people that I have actually arrested, have given me commendations or give me compliments to my supervisors. So it's just on how you act. All right,
0: now that's fair. That's fair. Now I, you know, I have a I have a little bit different spin, where I I I actually thought about this the other day, Dale, and I I kind of broke it up into different age brackets. So you know, let's say older folks, let's say fifty and up. Yeah. Then middle middle, let's say sixty and up, middle age, which would be me. You know, like fifty. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey,
1: I'm I'm the same age, brother. I'm all, same age. all right, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then we have young folks.
0: <laughs> all okay. right. Folks in, you know, 30 and under and and teens. So I'll do four. And I would say the people that have been mistreated the most by police are definitely the oldest folks because that was before cell phones. That was before any of that sure. stuff. It was one of those it was back in the day where somebody would come in to complain to a police station, they tell you to leave or you get right. beaten. All right. They treat me the best it's crazy to think that the people that have that had the most skin in the game and have probably suffered the most at the at the hands of old school policing tactics and and just straight out racism seem to be very welcoming to me okay and it's and it's and, and, and i I find that amazing because again if you look at the youngest folks I would say in today's world the youngest folks have had very few young folks have had really tumultuous things happen them at the hands of the police it's not like it was years ago because you can't hide anymore there's cameras everywhere cell phones all kinds of craziness and and i would say by and large the police profession is more professional now than it's ever been
1: definitely definitely
0: but let me let me tell
1: you this though man again like going back to what i was saying about how you treat someone else who you come in contact with, whether or not you're going to put hands on them, you're going to arrest them, what have you. Uh, let's say gang members for, for example, um, if you show them the respect that they think that they're due, I've never had a problem with a gang member. I will tell you that. And they out there doing dirt, you know, uh, killing, stealing, robbing, selling dope. They're doing all that. Right. Uh, I've never had a problem with them uh, just because I give them the respect and I don't treat them, call them out their name. Right. Uh, they may be thinking that about me, but no one has actually come out and said anything. No one's actually come out and, you know, we, we've gotten into rough and tumble fights. You know, it, it happens in this job, but if you treat it if you treat it like uh, <laughs> there's an old there's a old Bugs not a Bugs Bunny, but a Looney Tunes cartoon. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen this one before, but with the sheep and in uh, the coyote and they, they go to work in the morning and they clock in. Hey, George. Yep. Hey, Fred. Right. And then they go out there and then they, they battle all day. Right. And the sheepdog is just winning. Right. And the the coyotes all messed up at the end of the day. Right. And they go at the end of the day, they clock out. See you tomorrow, Tom. See you you tomorrow, George. Right. If you treat it like that where it's it's a job and you don't take it personal and you, and you give that, that adversary, the respect that they think that they're due then, and you just, you just live to fight another day. um, I think you, you get that back in return. So
0: I I will agree with you. 90, Five plus percent of the time, that's absolutely the case. You yeah. talk to people, you give people a voice. I mean, I've gone as far as to tell you know people you know always want to play. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Well, you, I mean, you don't you you don't got to lock me up, right? Well, that depends on what happened here. But yeah. the one thing I'm going to tell you is I'm going to be fair, regardless of how it shakes out. I'm going to be fair to you, no doubt. And that and and some and most of the time that's enough. But every once in a while that's not enough. um And that again that's regardless of race. But I will say this uh it it's disheartening sometimes and I can provide context with with with, with, a, with a quick story of when I run into law-abiding folks that look like us that have a complete disdain for law enforcement and they can't separate people that are like us that are trying like we're, we're here to advocate yeah. for them for everybody I advocate for anybody if you're a law-abiding citizen I am advocating for you regardless of what color your skin is and yeah. too much so, so much so, Dale, that I had an old friend of mine, I'm talking about somebody who I went to high school, somebody I grew up with, in my own house, calling law enforcement everything but a child of God, to the point where he got triggered. Mm. And I'm sitting there like, you got I, to go, right? Well, <laughs> you know what? I didn't even do that. I just, uh, I okay. said, well, what about me? Do you think that I, I mean, you've known me all these years. Do you think that yeah. I would stand by and allow all these things to happen? And I invited this person and said, why don't you come on a ride along with me and mm. see what it's really about? Get some answers that you so desperately need, whether you admit it or not. And um, it didn't go well. Like they just could you just this person just couldn't get past um, all of all of this stuff that was happening on the media. And here's the kicker. Same age as me. He's never had any of the stuff that's happened to me happen to him. Like I've been pulled out of a car as a passenger right. and had and had an officer kneeling on my neck. I've been oh, pulled, yeah. I've been stopped when I've been walking with two white kids And had somebody proning me out on the ground i'm laying face down well they're talking to my friends about the the red Sox. it's never happened to this gentleman so i so i didn't understand where all his anger and vitriol was coming from and i took a great deal of offense to that uh let's hit the chat real quick so what do you say to people that call you a sellout for doing your job do you think you can ever change the mind of that person
1: do you think you could ever change the mind? They're just, you know, they got to be willing to change. But I'm, I'm willing to sit there and and, and talk to them about it. If they call me a sellout for for doing my job, hey, so be it. But I'm here to 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 help you, you and you, right? So, um, hey, let me let me do my job, and you can see what uh what the, what the, how that shakes out in the end. So, let's talk about it.
0: I'm all about talk. All right, all right. So uh, staying with the sellout theme how does people thinking or calling you a sellout affect your mental and emotional health and how do you deal with it?
1: it's not' it's not fun right nobody nobody likes to be called out their name regardless of what you're doing if you work at McDonald's or you work at uh, you know at Apple right nobody nobody likes to be called out of their name for just doing what they think is 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 a noble profession. Um, how I deal with it is for one, I just put it out of my mind. Right. Cause I know that they're just, they're just chirping at me, uh, for one to get to me for whatever reason. Um, and I just call it out of my mind. And then when I get home, when I get off of work, uh, I do stuff like this. I do podcasts and I, and I talk about it and, and I let people see, you know, I, I give people, Hey, check out black and blue, see how, how myself and, and other officers across this country, how we feel about it, how, how we deal with it, how we how we talk about it, what, what we're thinking in our heads. And and maybe if I can reach one person, hey, it's worth it to me. But it, in the meantime, like I said, I just go about my job on the daily. That's how I deal with it.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, Dale, we're down to about just under three minutes left. Oh, already, and man? Already, brother. Already. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: man. oh, man. Really, really quick. Uh, Mike, Mike has something to say. Let me jump to Mike. See if you can sum this up in about 30 seconds. Then we're going to get to causes that are important to you. So some would say that there's no difference between being black and blue and being white and blue. If everyone treats people the same, does a police officer's skin color matter in policing or does it matter more to the people in the community? So really quick, let's see if you can knock those out.
1: Well, there's, there's no difference as far as me and my partner, right? If, if a bullet's coming down our way, it's going, it's going to hit either one of us, uh, regardless of our color. But people like to see people in their community you know, that, that have authority in their community that look like them, right? So yeah, it does help. It does matter uh, to, be, to be black in, 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 in policing
0: or to be brown in policing or what have you. So yeah, I, I think it does matter. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on that. I agree because I don't think, and again, I'm sure it happened somewhere, but I don't think that you have the same number of some of our white brothers and sisters that do this job that get the same kind of vitriol and the same kind of resistance from people that are close to them that we get as black officers. Um, I, I can tell you for a fact, I've had friends kind of walk sideways from me once they know I, I got into law enforcement. And that's fine. You know what I mean? That's a choice. And, and maybe they weren't real friends. But I don't see that happening as much with um with some of our, some of our white counterparts.
1: No, of course not.
0: No, of course not. And so that so that's where some of the differences uh come from as far as I as far as I can see, Mike. So Dale, great question, Dale. In about 30 seconds, what's clo- what, what's important to you? what what cause are you working on? How can people follow you?
1: Man, you can find me everywhere. Um that's whether <laughs> whether that's at the website, at IG, Facebook, everywhere at black and blue US. So just just search for me at Black and Blue US, and man, I'm, I'm just working on this podcast. I want to get you get you back on 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 the live, and we do lives every other week. A, a coworker and I, we just had one yesterday, so you can check us out on YouTube and all that. And man, just let's just keep it
0: pushing. Let's keep this conversation going. Yeah, this is a good one. It's one that needs to be had. Um, I don't like you and I talked about. I don't think enough people are talking about this and, and giving you the real. Um, and uh that's what that's what we're going to do here on difficult conversations regardless of uh if it ruffles a feather or not it's something that needs to be said and it has to be talked about 24 7 365 all right well dale i can't thank you enough for coming on brother i appreciate i appreciate you folks please like share and follow supply the Why on all your favorite social media platforms if you got anything out of this out of this episode if it spoke to you in any which way Please share this with all the people out there. You need to see these conversations. You need to be part of these conversations. So Dale, thanks again for taking time away from your family. And as always, folks, hashtag supply the Why. Good night.